Junkyard. The acclaimed have arrived. Scissor me, daddy ass. I hope they don't get me for copyright infringement on that one. But anyway, this is the Junkyard. I am your host, Junkyard Jimmy. We are here in the Junkyard. We're going to talk a little bit about what I think is the biggest contradiction in wrestling today. And I'll go a little bit into backlash as well. Why not? Why don't we? Let's get into it. Welcome to the Junkyard. Like I said, I'm your host, Junkyard James, and I got with me today on the Junkyard, the host of the Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast, my brother, Randall. How are you doing today, sir? I'm good. And so I want to give my guest some time to kind of promote themselves. You got one minute to start the show. Promote it how you want. Go ahead. So I'll, I'll plug where you could find me at the end. But I am one of the voices of the casual wrestling community, the fans that are overlooked by all the nerds and dorks on the internet. I don't, I don't think I'm correct on everything, but I think it's a, a important to have conversations with people who think differently. Um, and uh, yeah, that's why I'm here. And uh, I can't wait to get into this conversation all right it's always fun to talk about wrestling with other members of the iwc should you say the internet wrestling community i know i know you're not a self-subscriber no. to that community yeah but. no i don't i don't consider myself iwc uh i'm part of the cwc the casual wrestling community fair enough fair enough but let's get going like i said i think there is a Big contradiction going on in the WWE right now. And it started with this message that Triple H said just a few weeks ago. I believe it was on a Monday Night Raw. WWE at its very core. Because when Roman Reigns gets drafted to whatever brand he gets drafted to, he will take the WWE undisputed universal championship with him and he will stay there the other brand will determine a new champion so a new champion everybody should be happy we get somebody other than oh if you know my thoughts boring ass roman reigns on the screen to entertain the fans and be a world champion. And wherever Roman Reigns goes, that other champion goes to the other brand, or so we thought, because today at the Backlash Press Conference, we learned about a tournament that's getting ready to take place starting next Monday. It will be across both brands. On Monday Night Raw, there will be two triple threat matches with the winners facing each other later that night to determine a winner for Monday Night Raw. That Friday on SmackDown, the same thing will happen. Two triple threat matches will take place. 
Those winners will face each other at the end of SmackDown to determine a winner there. Those two winners from Raw and SmackDown will then go on to Night of Champions, where one of them will be crowned the new World Heavyweight Champion. So wait, catch me if I'm wrong here, but didn't, in that first clip, didn't Triple H say that wherever Roman Reigns went, the other title would go to the other brand? And now we're hearing that might not be the case, that SmackDown and Raw superstars are going to compete for a chance to be claimed or to be crowned the new World Heavyweight Champion. I just, I just don't make sense. Maybe you're a casual fan. Maybe you can make it make sense to me. Well, there's two two situations that could go on here. The first one is if a SmackDown superstar wins, they just move over to Raw. It's quite simple, actually. But the second thing is that I don't think people are considering is we have several superstars who are considered free agents who can be on both brands. One of those just so happens to be the beast incarnate Brock Lesnar. My theory is that Cody Rhodes is going to beat him at backlash. And we'll talk about that. uh, If that's what you want at the end of the show. And then Cody is going to win the Monday Night Raw side of the tournament. And Brock is going to win the SmackDown side of the tournament. This will then mean at Night of Champions, Cody Rhodes faces Brock Lesnar again for the World Heavyweight Championship. This is the only way I can rationalize it. I also don't think he's contradicting himself because he never said how they were going to determine the championship in the first clip. All he said was, with where Roman Reigns gets drafted to, he will stay there. The other brand will get a title. But he didn't say who the winner, or he didn't mandate that the winner came from that brand. Like I said in the beginning, let's say someone like Bobby Lashley, who's on SmackDown, wins this this tournament and therefore wins the title. It's just as simple as moving Bobby Lashley over to Raw until he loses the title. So then my question has to be, and it's the title of this freaking episode, then what the fuck is the point of the the draft? If you're going to have free agents, well, first off, that makes absolutely no sense why certain superstars are able to classify themselves as free agents and others aren't. Um, but that those free agents could then go to wherever they want, win titles and wrestle wherever they want. And that if a a guy that's drafted on SmackDown wins what is going to be considered the raw main champion, they just move them over. They just move them over. To me, that doesn't make any logical sense. And from a wrestling standpoint, from a wrestling fan standpoint, makes it seem like the draft didn't actually mean anything. It's just a way to shake up some of the rosters and move people around. Welcome to the casual wrestling community. We've all been saying this. 
Um, yes, you're completely right. The draft is completely useless from the way it's presented to the way it's executed and to the way that it is, you know, continually executed throughout, you know, the storyline. None of it makes sense. It's never worked ever in its existence for there to be a brand split between Raw and between SmackDown. It has never worked. It's the worst idea ever. Um, the problem is, is that there are too many superstars on the roster to consider, you know, to, to run both shows and to have interesting stories. So what you have to do is split the roster in half. I don't necessarily agree with the tournament they're having, especially calling it a tournament when, in essence, it's not a tournament. It's just two triple threat matches and the winners face each other. It's not a tournament. Um, and so to call it a tournament is crazy. But you're assuming that WWE uses rational logic when they make their decisions. They have never done that. Um, so I tend to live by the philosophy when it comes to WWE that if you keep your expectations at a D minus, when you get a B plus, you'll be happy. So expectations low, that way you'll never be disappointed. And I get that. But is that downgrading the fan as a as a an integral part? Because you got to think professional wrestling is different than any other form of entertainment because the live crowd plays such a big part in the overall presentation of the product. If the fans are just coming in there every week, not expecting anything, what is there to cheer for? Why even show up? Why even sell tickets? To me, here's the thing. And this is where I want to, I kind of want to make a little bit of a monologue here. I feel like WWE, and this is why I think it's a big contradiction, is that WWE booked themselves into a corner that I think they can't or do not know how to get themselves out of. By letting Roman Reigns win at WrestleMania against Cody, They've booked themselves into a corner to where now they have to have Roman get to a thousand days. And that's perfectly fine and perfectly okay. I, I don't like Roman Reigns, but whatever. If they want him to get his a thousand days, let him get there. The way I feel like they should have booked the WrestleMania match wasn't was to, in some way, shape, or form, make the titles two separate titles and just and just put the WWE title on the line. Cody didn't care about the Universal Championship. He wanted the title his dad couldn't get, which was, at, at this point in, the, in, in time, it's, it's the WWE title. Roman could have kept the Universal title, and then you could have let Roman go and get his 1,000-day reign with the Universal belt. I believe that's where the belt is holding the title. The Anyway... Let Cody get the WWE belt, and there is no need for a new championship. There is no need for a tournament. Cody now goes to Raw or SmackDown, or you don't even need a brand split at this point. Roman can take his fabulous three-month vacation, and Cody can be the top guy, get the pop that he deserved at WrestleMania. But they've booked themselves into this corner to where they have to make this obvious Second place prize, the Roman Reigns ain't going to fight for quite a while, so let's just have somebody be a champion. Consolation prize. And does anybody really get over with this belt? I, I don't. I can't see anybody actually getting over when 
at the end of the day, when Roman comes back, what happens? You're you're now second place again. I don't see it as second place. Um, if we're talking in reality, though, like if we if we want to be real and break kayfabe for a second, title belts do not matter. You don't earn, you don't win title belts. In the very end of the day, you are handed a title belt based on the company feeling like you are their number one guy. So this whole conversation about, oh, Cody should be champion or, or, or whatever, in the, in the large scheme of things, doesn't actually mean anything. Because Cody Rhodes didn't win the title. He was scripted to win the title. So he didn't earn anything. But back in the kayfabe, Roman Reigns, you know, if we're looking at it from a business perspective, which is often how I look at at the wrestling world. It is a business and it is entertainment. And the, the top guy in the for the business and for the entertainment is the bloodline. You can see that differently. But it's very obvious where this story is going. And it's going where it began. And that is Jey Uso versus Roman Reigns. I would argue that Jey Uso winning the title off of Roman Reigns is a better finish to the story than Cody Rhodes getting a quick pop at WrestleMania. Cody Rhodes, in my opinion, has not done anything. If we're looking at it in a kayfabe way, what has he done to earn the title? I understand the idea of, oh, he should have got the pop. He should have sent the fans home happy. But at the very end of the day, let's say Cody wins the title does it fizzle out like Kofi Mania did and the fans turn on him? I think it does. Because at the very end, no one's cheering for Cody Rhodes. They're cheering for Roman Reigns to lose, which is the response you want Roman Reigns to get. But also for you to sit here and say, oh, Roman's going on a three-month vacation is not true. He is required to be at the Saudi show by contract. The big four plus Saudi are required on his contract. So he will wrestle at Night of Champions. I would not be surprised if he wins the tournament for the SmackDown side. This is the best way to give this title any sort of relevance. He doesn't have to defend because Night of Champions is technically day 1,000 for him. So he, he won't have to defend that title. And you put him in a match against a Seth Rollins or a Cody Rhodes. Imagine that. And you say, well, why would you have Roman lose? You don't have to have Roman lose. You don't have to have Roman win the title either. That would be stupid to make a new title to put it on Roman. As much as I would laugh my butt off if that happened, let's say you have Seth Rollins win this the Raw side or Cody win the Raw side. All you would need is Brock Lesnar to come out, interrupt, cause a DQ or if it's Seth Rollins, maybe it's Cody who's frustrated that someone got in his way again and Cody attacks Seth Rollins. There's ways you can work around this to where you can build the, the, the lineage of this new title and its importance without it being second place. But everybody knows it's a second place title. I, this was literally a title created because 
They just want Roman to have the other belt for as long as they want Roman to have the belt. Read a rumor, can't tell you if it's true, can't say if it's false, that they are prepared to let Roman Reigns hold this title until WrestleMania, of, or oh, I'm sorry, until SummerSlam of 2024. That's another year and a half of Roman Reigns holding this belt. In my opinion, holding it hostage to allow other people to have an opportunity to grow. I know at the end of the day, Roman is the top heel in the company, but is the is not the job of the heat the top heel to build the next baby face. That's and then the is it that's the job of booking. You can't blame Roman that they haven't built a baby face to beat him. That's credible. But they would have had their baby face that could have beaten him in Cody Rhodes had they but, but again it's not, it's not it's not Roman's fault. I'm not, not blaming credible. it's not credible to have what what did Cody do storyline wise to make sense to beat Roman Reigns? He won the Royal Rumble match. That's not enough justification of a to beat a guy who has literally beat every other force in the company. The only it, person it, he has not beat is Seth Rollins. It's the triumphant comeback from the injury to come but back. Wouldn't be, but wouldn't it be better? Like I would be all with you. If Cody Rhodes didn't get hurt, he should have won the title at WrestleMania. But he does get hurt and it removes all momentum. If you want to lose if if you wanted someone, you know, at WrestleMania to beat Roman, it should have been the biggest baby face we've seen in WWE in quite some time, which was Sami Zayn. But that's not a credible threat to Roman Reigns. It, it and that again would just make that a transitionary championship i personally don't think cody rhodes is wwe championship material but whether i think he is or not that's against the point if if you take the title off of roman and you put it on cody and it doesn't work out we've seen this time and time again where the fans want a champion or want someone to become champion daniel bryan kofi Kingston, Liv Morgan, where they become champion and two, three weeks into their championship reign, a majority of the fans no longer want them to be champion because there isn't anything other than the chase. A lot of these people, Liv Morgan's title reign sucked, but the chase for her to get there was what people were cheering for because it was, she was going to beat Ronda Rousey or Charlotte. Roman Reigns, no one wants to see Cody Rhodes win. They just want to see Roman Reigns lose. And you can input anyone in that role, AJ Styles, uh, Montez Ford, LA Knight. You can put anyone in that role, and they would cheer for the good guy because they want to see Roman lose. That's the response you should have from your heel. Well, yes, the, the heel should get the should get the baby face over with the fans. But, but I think Cody Rhodes was a special type of over. He is the most over babyface we have seen in WWE, and in my opinion, since John Cena. I, I don't know if you saw the video that came out at the, at the Backlash press conference today of Cody Rhodes coming out on stage. The entire crowd was singing along to his theme song. He is over. But they all do that. That doesn't mean that he's over. It's just a catchy song. Yeah, but they didn't. And, at the, and at the end of the do you not remember the last three months before Cody even came back where the same thing happened with Sami Zayn? When he came out there, the crowd lit up. That's what you get when you have 
monster heel heat on your on your champion. It's they're cheering for Cody because they assume that he would be the guy who would beat Roman Reigns. I personally don't think I think it would have been premature to put the title on on Cody when I personally feel the bloodline turning on themselves that completely eradicates the bloodline. If you just have Cody beating Roman, you still have the bloodline issue. The bloodline isn't over, but if you have them turn on themselves, that that's a better ending to the story, especially when you realize who's writing the story is Paul Heyman. And, and, and I'm not trying to mean this in a derogatory way, but Paul Heyman is of Jewish descent and Jewish stories are circular. They begin and end at the same place. So it makes sense to me that this, the bloodline starts with Jay Uso and ends with Jay Uso. But could it not start with Jay Uso and end with Jay Uso without it being for a title? There's no point if it's without a title. The idea yeah, of a of title. Of course there's a point. Uh, the idea of a title is to push their props. Championships are props. They don't mean nothing. The match are props. They don't mean nothing. In the entertainment business, which is what wrestling is, the matches and the titles are props to push storyline. So if you take away the championship, what's pushing the bloodline story? Because Roman's character is, first off, he thinks he's more relevant than anyone, and he only fights people who are on his level, hence the island of relevancy. But two, he's uber paranoid to protect what he thinks is his, which is the championship. So if you remove the championship, Jey Uso beating Roman Reigns has no effect. But I see, I, I kind of see it a different way, and I I understand the whole Paul Heyman thing, and I, I don't want to last on this for for forever. But but last thing here, to me, you give the belt to Cody. Roman Roman now is ultra, like you said, he's ultra paranoid. So now he's he's almost like like Caesar Nero in ancient Rome, where where he's destroying what was his kingdom because he's losing control of the kingdom. And because of his paranoia, he's going to take down the, the Roman Empire, Roman Empire, as a result of him losing the belt, which which can end with the Usos turning in on Roman. I, I understand your point that the titles are props, and, and you and I kind of disagree on on the relevancy of the championships and the matches themselves i think sometimes the matches you can tell a story in the ring more than you can tell a story outside of the ring and so maybe so yes the matches are props to tell the overall story i just feel like we avoid this entire contradiction of whatever the hell this triple threat stuff is and Raw and SmackDown in a third title or, or second title, however you want to see it. If we either have Cody win the belt and then undo the belts, I, I don't know the correct term for that, unmerge the belts into two different belts. Now you have Cody on Raw and whoever fighting for SmackDown winning the Universal belt. And Roman could have kept the belt. And you could have continued the story the way that you wanted to for the title. Because if I remember correctly, Jey Uso started the story when the belts were not merged together. Correct? This, you're right. So at that time, Jey Uso, you got, you got the Jey Uso feud 
was to set up the bloodline. It was to beat into submission the people who were going to protect the king, which is a classic gang initiation, mafia initiation. Hell, they even did it on, on Yellowstone where they would burn in the, the, um, the brand. That is classic storytelling from a leader who wants to uh, enforce loyalty on, on his people. That's classic mafia tactics, which is what the story essentially is. It's just a typical mafia story within a different culture. And so, yes, at the time when it started, Jey Uso in Roman Reigns was not for the titles. But it had a reason. It was to set up Roman Reigns to win the titles. And now right. once he got it, he has people to protect him from losing it. And you're right. He is getting paranoid. And he is eventually going to tear down what it is. He's already criticizing the Usos for losing their titles, which is what I think will lead to the turn. But if Jey Uso or Solo Sokoa beat Roman Reigns, which is the only two options I think are logically sound for this storyline, but it's not for the title, it absolutely means nothing. So what if we went the other route where you split the belts, Cody wins just the WWE belt, and Roman keeps the universal? The problem is there was no logistical way to, to divide the unified titles. There was no way you could do it that would make logical sense. Sure what, are you gonna do? what are you going to do? You're going to have a, a contract where Paul, Cody wins and Paul Heyman comes out and says, oh, we tricked you. It was just for the... No, no. no the, the whole storyline going into it was Cody Rhodes wanted the title that his dad couldn't beat. We got to understand, even though this is... So my biggest point with the, the presentation was Roman was wearing two titles, but they're unified. It's only one title. And that's how they treated it. It was only one title, which is why me and a lot of other people have been calling for WWE for the tag titles and for the, the undisputed unified universal title is to make it one singular title because that's what it is. Having them carry two belts is confusing. It's also bulky. And for someone like Sami Zayn, who can't even hold one title, for him to have to carry two, it's it. I mean, he's almost dropped it on live TV several times. And so Roman only had one title. So that was the title Cody was fighting for. I understand Cody's story, but splitting the titles doesn't do anything because there was only one title. I guess we'll have to end it there and agree to disagree on that. I want to go to another story here on the other side of the aisle. AEW, the the pre-sale and the, the general public sale of AEW All-In Wembley Stadium show kicked off this week. And according to Tony Khan, here's a tweet straight from the boss man himself. He says, thanks to the amazing support from our fans at AEW All-In London at Wembley Stadium has sold 60,000 tickets for 6.1 million euros or $7.7 million. This is one of the greatest success stories and wrestling history. There are still great seats that are on sale now. See you all on 8-27-2023. You're undoubtedly, I don't want to say an AEW hater, but you criticize AEW quite a lot. What are your thoughts on the boss man's tweet? 
So first off, I want to just say I don't hate on AEW. I think AEW fans assume that anyone who critiques AEW's business moves is instantly a hater and wants them to fail. I want AEW to succeed more than anyone because everyone can agree that competition brings out the best in anyone. My problem is, is when you have someone like Tony Khan, who is the CEO, the way he handles business online to me is super unprofessional. You've never seen, I've never seen a CEO who is as active on Twitter trying to protect his brand as the AEW fans try to say, does he have all the right to do it? Sure. But it's, it, to me, it's just a little corny. Um, him calling out the ESPN reporter, I can't think of his name right now, and saying, you know, basically that he was uh, he was lying. Whether he was or not, that's not something you do on Twitter. That's something you, you, you either DM him or you get his phone number and you have a conversation. And you do that in, in the boardroom. You don't do that in the public square. Some business just needs to be handled behind the scenes. So, so let me stop you there real quick before you continue. Get that point. So then what, what do you say about someone like, like Elon Musk, who does the same thing with all of the CNN reporters and everything? Is it, is it just as corny there? When, so first off, Elon Musk owns Twitter. But at the same time, I kind of have the same mindset that it, it comes off when Elon does that. It comes off as if, if he's trolling. I'll be completely honest. A lot of what he's doing is just trolling. Um, but he's also, because he is the, the CEO, well, he's not even the CEO. He's the owner of, of um, Twitter. He's trying to promote his brand, um, which is different because on his actual brand, it's a little different. I have the same mentality. I believe that CEOs should be, you know, the most professional people in the company because they are the ones that are making the decisions. Elon Musk is trolling these people. That's the difference is Elon Musk is doing it out of jest. Tony Khan believes every word he says on Twitter. And I've never seen Elon Musk cuss anybody out, which Tony Khan has done numerous occasions. He comes off as a child. Um, and, and so I think there's a difference in, 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 the, in the two different things. However, back to his tweet. Whether or not 60,000 tickets were sold or not, there's discrepancies in the reports of the numbers. Um, my first point is, let's just say you have 60,000 individual tickets bought. Is anyone actually surprised by this number? Everyone's acting as if, and Tony Khan even said, it's the greatest uh, whatever he said about in the history of wrestling. Is anyone actually surprised that AEW, the most popular global brand in wrestling is sell has sold 60,000. It's not a feat selling Wembley for AEW is not as big of a, a feat as AEW fans want them to make it out. Cause see, at, I, I got to stop you there because when they announced the show, everybody on the opposing side, whatever you want to call them, AEW haters or people who criticize Tony Khan, they were all laughing that we chose that he chose Wembley Stadium that he wasn't going to sell but half the stadium and yet he's selling out two thirds in week one and now the narrative you changed. say you say everyone not not everyone was 
was sitting the trolls on the w the wwe trolls sure yeah they were sitting here saying they wouldn't sell at wembley but anyone with common sense would understand that AEW on a global stage is the bigger of the two brands i believe they have a larger international reach than wwe which is why i believe wwe is starting to travel international now that triple h is taken over we have you know, literally the next three announced pay-per-views for WWE. You got Puerto Rico this weekend. The end of the month, you got Saudi Arabia. And the next one announced is Money in the Bank July 1st um, in London at the O2. Um, and so I'm not surprised at all that AEW, who aims their product more so for the international audience, is having international success. You have the entire continent of Europe traveling to this event plus the AEW super fans in america who i'm certain was one of the first people in line to to grab tickets either in the pre-show or this morning when they went on sale so i'm not surprised i don't think it's that big of a feat that aew is i i think they said i've said from the beginning they're probably going to sell out but it's nothing special because the, the the women's soccer game that was there a couple months ago sold 90,000 seat tickets. The, the UK fans, they hardly get any large international events in their country. So they're hungry for these events. Um, and so it could have been WWE, could have been AEW, could have been women's soccer, could have been the World Cup. They're selling that out because the fans want tickets. You got. I'm sure. I'm certain you'll have people from France, from Germany, from Italy. It is literally like a day's drive from Germany to to the UK. There's. It's not a surprise to me that ninety. I'm sure you'll have people from uh, West Europe, from Australia, and other international places that are in the stadium because of the event that it is. Again. The WWE drones, the the trolls on the WWE side, everyone assumes that I'm pro-WWE. I'm in the middle. I want both to succeed. And so there's extremists on both sides. The extremists on the WWE side may say that, that, oh, it's a, you know, maybe they're moving the goalposts and say, oh, I didn't think they were going to sell it, but they proved me wrong. But people with a logical reasoning and and a brain understood y'all were going to sell out the day you release tickets. I could have told you that based off of the ticket sales for Money in the Bank when they sold out in less than a minute. And that's only like 20,000 seats. There, there's a want for big promotion of wrestling in the UK. So I'm not surprised by, by it. I'm just wondering, are the numbers accurate? My, my only, I guess you can call it a conspiracy, is I don't think 60,000 people have bought tickets. I think... 45,000 have bought tickets and Tony Khan bought 15 or so, maybe even 10, five, who knows how many, I think he bought tickets and comped them and he's either going to give them away or, um, or their scalpers who bought ticket sales. That's cool. But let's check attendance. Cause that's what I care about more than ticket sales. You can have 90,000 tickets sold and only, 65 people show up 65,000 people show up because the remaining tickets are, are scalpers who couldn't resell and 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 that's all that matters to me 
and I understand Ticketmaster is doing a much better job from bots mass buying tickets, but there's still ways you can get it done. Yeah, so I don't know if Tony Khan's statement that it's one of the greatest successes stories in all of wrestling history is legitimate. I think he's over-exaggerating there a little bit. I'll, I'll be honest with that. I, I think... I don't know where he comes up with, uh, but, but he's the business owner. So he's going to oversell the brand. If anything, if you know anything with sales, you're supposed to hyper inflate the actual value of the brand. And so I think that's all Tony Khan is doing. He he knows that he was, he knew he was going to sell out. And, and I think Tony Khan feels a little bit of a type of a way because of everybody from the WWE, well, not, I wouldn't say everybody, but there is a lot of hatred from the pro-WWE, anti-AEW side that wants to see Tony Khan fail for I don't know what reason. And so I think Tony Khan feels like he is an underdog selling out one of the biggest arenas in all of Europe. And, and yet they haven't sold out yet, So, but I think this is a good success story. Not the greatest, but it's still a good thing. Why? For a couple of reasons. They haven't announced a match on the card for this show. They haven't announced if it's even going to be live on pay-per-view. There's a rumor that this is just going to be one big glorified live event. And the people in America and around the world will not be able to watch it live. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's not. I, I think the way that they're promoting it on TV, certainly there's going to be some viewership outside of the stadium because they're pushing this pretty hard. But as of right now, there's no no guarantees that this isn't just a live event. And to sell 60,000 tickets in one week, I think is, regardless of what company you're in, I think that's a pretty good thing that you can hold your hat on. It's already the largest grossing event in the company's history. $7.7 million, 6.1 million euros. Without a match even being mentioned on the card, so, so I, I get. I, I, again, I don't want mean to interrupt you, but you made seven point seven million dollars. You still haven't hit a profit yet, because your roster you're paying, you, you still haven't made profit yet. So everyone keeps talking about Tony Khan keeps talking about, oh, this event has grossed this, and th you still haven't made a profit yet. Your salary for Kenny Omega himself is five million dollars. Now, I get that that's not for just that one event, but for this whole year, you have, what, four pay-per-views? So one pay-per-view gate goes to Kenny Omega. Now you got to pay the rest of the roster? You got to think, they got the they got the Warner TV deal that, that is bringing in some money, and, and they got all these other um, avenues where they're bringing in revenue, sponsorships. And plus, I don't. It's too early. It's year year um, coming on year four. WCW under Bischoff wasn't making a profit on year four. That's a that's a tired excuse. I'm I'm gonna, I'm being completely honest. That's a tiring excuse because in any other industry, or let's just even take this industry. If I started a wrestling promotion and four years into it, never got out of the red, I would have to fold. The only reason people are justifying this is because Tony Khan is willing to sacrifice his dad's money for the to to, to promote something. You st you 
I'll be completely honest. Ninety-five percent of what you've probably lost has been to develop a video game that we don't even know when the it's coming out. So I think I personally believe, and this is just my opinion, that the smartest people in the company are the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, the three people that I dislike the most, because what they realized was is they couldn't get over with the American audience, and so going to WWE would leave them in the mid-card. So let's create our own company, and let's hire some super Mark Rich guy who doesn't care about money, and he could uh, he could um, subsidize our our all friend wrestling where we just hire all of our friends and have a good old time. And, and, and that's what I honestly feel all elite wrestling has become. So see, here's again, when we have people on the WWE side and I'm not saying you are on that side, but everybody on the WWE side says all AEW does is hire these X WWE guys, and then on the somewhere else, they change the goalpost. To, all they do is hire their indie buds that they found in New Japan and around the world. It's literally the reason Excalibur has a job. The only reason he has a job is because the, the Jacksons knew them from PWG. It's the only reason Excalibur has a job in a major wrestling promotion. It's because he's friends with the Young Bucks. You can't convince me otherwise. And maybe that's the case, but Excalibur has done a damn good job Way better of a job than Jim Ross ever did, being the 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 play by play. That's not a, on that's Dynamite. Not, that's not that hard to achieve, though. Well, yeah, but I, I think it, an Excalibur, in my opinion, he's not Michael Cole level. I'm not saying he's bad. I think that his presentation is bad. I've actually had casual fans who have asked the question, "Why does he wear the mask at the table?" I, to my understanding, they've never explained why he wears a mask. Or why he's called Excalibur. So as a character, which is what he is, they've never explained what the hell he is. All we know is he does, right? And so how can a casual, and this is where I think AEW fans and AEW itself has never actually thought about this particular audience of the casual fans who when CM Punk debuted, they got a lot of casual fans who wanted to watch who thought it was a it, it was weird that there was a masked man doing commentary and there was no explanation as to why. And so you I've always said this. AEW is going to have its its group of fans, same with WWE, who they will watch anything that says wrestling in the title. Your goal as as a TV entertainment show is to get the fans who are not those people. And if you could get the casual audience, if you're WWE or if you're AEW, the first company to bring mass success and promoting to the casual audience will win, even if you don't see it as a war or a competition, will win the competition. Because once you get the casual fans, you will succeed. They're the, the casual fans are the least promoted to, but the most important audience in the industry. Because there's so many people in the mainstream who, if you, you know, bringing in someone like Logan Paul for WWE, he can mass promote. I would love if Logan Paul won this, the world heavyweight title. Can you imagine him wearing that around his, his shoulder on impulsive every single day? He doesn't even have to defend it, but it still gets millions of views. It's good business. And I would not be shocked if that's what happens, to be honest with you. 
He is a free agent, by the way. And I think this is where a lot of people have a very misunderstood view on how I honestly think AEW is running business. Because I don't think Tony Khan looks at it as it as he wants to reach the casuals. I don't think that's and I don't think Tony Khan gives a shit. Quite honestly, if he ever makes two million on a, a dynamite in America, I don't think he cares about the ratings so much as he did in the past when he was going head to head with NXT. I think Tony Khan sees it as this: he is a spoiled rich kid who was a really big wrestling fan. And all he wanted to do was have his own version of an independent wrestling show on TV. He wanted the next version of WCW, the next version of ECW. He said it several times on air and off air. He was a big ECW fan. And so he just wants some form of, of independent show on TV. He doesn't care about the casuals. He wants to market his show for the the marks and that's his show so that's why i think tony khan is so passionate about his fan base and if he loses millions of dollars in the, in the making that's millions of dollars he i think he's willing to lose and obviously his dad is willing to give to him that's stupid business i, I tony khan's not going to remain top 30 richest man in the world if he's going to continue to fund someone's playtime that's stupid business. I'm being completely honest. That's sure he will because the Jaguars make billions of dollars, and I know that's his dad's company. But he's, I mean, AEW is technically his dad's company. If you look at the filing, first off, it's filed in Delaware, and second, Tony Khan's not on the filing. You have um, uh, Shad Khan and uh, is it Mega? Mega. Yeah, and she's the. They're the only two people who are on the filing for ownership of AEW. Tony Khan's not involved in ownership. So for him to sit here and say, I'm the owner. No, you're not. He's, you were the, C- he's the CEO. He's the if, head man. Fancy to stop acting like he's the owner because he's not. And so we'll, we'll end this conversation here. I, I, I wanted this podcast to, to not necessarily be like a winner-loser t- situation, but just to have this conversation um, of on both, on both situations of, I think, we both have dif- different approaches to the way pro wrestling should be ran. I think my honest opinion is that just like any other business, if you don't have a diehard core support group to back you up, when the, when the casuals leave, because the casuals always leave, they never stay permanently. When the casuals leave, if you don't have that core support at the base, if the foundation's not strong enough, then the company's going to crumble. Absolutely. You build with your fan base. But if you don't go outside of that fan base and you don't grow that fan base, because what you, I don't think you're, you, you understand the power of the casual fan. If you can convince the casual fan to, to like something, they're not going to leave. You don't, the reason that the casuals stopped watching WWE was because they stopped getting the product that they came to watch, which was the attitude era. Um, and, and so if, if Tony, I, I don't have a problem with how Tony Khan runs his, his company per se. I think he's done some stupid decisions. I more, um, I more critique Tony for how he acts 
online. Um, I just don't think it's professional. Um, and so I'm fine with you guys having a, a solid support group of, let's just say 500,000 people are your, your core hardcore fans who pay money to go to events, who watch every show, who watch the YouTube shows, who watch all of that stuff. Let's say your number is 500,000 people. Keep those people. Make things for those people. But if you don't give something for, let's just say there's 3 million wrestling fans in America, because that's what the statistics have shown. If you don't book towards gaining the other 2.5 million people, you're never going to grow the company. If that's not your, if you enter into business to never grow, that's insane. That's insane. If you don't want to grow the business, why be in business? If you don't want to grow, if I started a restaurant and I got a core following of 6,000 people that came, that come daily to my restaurant and I never grow past that, I'm never going to expand the business. And I think that should be the ultimate idea of creating your business. So it's funny you mentioned restaurant because because I, I was thinking of an idea here. You, you take a look at like these fast food chains that are like super super localized, something like an In and Out Burger out on the West Coast or whatnot. The mystique on the East Coast is that it the West Coasters love it. But are you are you going to just take a trip out of nowhere to just go try an In and Out, even if the People even if have they done that before, maybe. But most of the time, they, they plan a trip to California, and they go as part of the trip. They're not going out there solely to go try In-N-Out Burger. So on, the, on the most part, there are going to be those people who do that. But I think In-N-Out Burger has realized, and maybe this is where you're correct, that the East Coast wants In-N-Out Burger. And the mystique and the, and the mysterious... The mysteriousness of In and Out Burger, the the mystery surrounding like what's so hype about it, is bit so big on the East Coast. That guess what? They're building an a headquarters in Tennessee, and they're building an In and Out in Tennessee. I want to I want to just preface that that they're going to Tennessee for their headquarters to escape the corporate tax of California. Um, but we, if you know anyone from the West Coast, they will tell you that In and Out is is trash. It's just, it's over glorified. It's over hyped because of the mystique. Um, and so I, for, I don't actually understand the point you're trying to make here, to be honest with you. Is that, is that what Tony Khan wants is just another, another option. And it now it's just an option. And the there's been global- options though. Impact has been on TV since 2003, but, but nothing as mis as big as what AEW has been able to present the impact would have beaten. And I will stand by this to my grave impact would have beaten the WWE in ratings when they went head to head in Monday nights, several years ago, 10 plus years ago, if Dixie fucking Carter was not in charge of that company, if they had somebody who had the money to support them long-term. Well, and another reason I'll get to this, it's not important is was Vince Russo was sabotaging all of the fucking yeah, wrestling, wrestling uh, the TV companies to not want to put them on TV. And that's been pretty much guaranteed as actual fact that Vince Russo was sabotaging 
the Jarrett's and Dixie to get on TV on an actual good show. If they had the if they had the Turners back then when WWE was letting John Cena destroy the Nexus, Impact Wrestling would have competed very very close to WWE. Just as I think you give it ten years, and I think AEW can be in the same ball game as WWE. It's so difficult to start a promotion. That's why you see all of these indie promotions who are trying to get get started just fold after a year or so because you want to bring the good. But talent. that goes back. That goes. That goes back to my point that AEW would have folded had it not been funded by the the thirtieth richest man in the world. And, and, AEW, no, and nobody's saying that it, it AEW isn't funded by one of the richest people in the world. Everybody knows that Tony Khan's a spoiled rich kid. That's kind of the mystique of Tony Khan is that he has the money to actually compete against the McMahon. And, and here's the thing. When I say the 30, Tony Khan's not the 30. Tony Khan has no net worth. All his money comes from his dad. So when I say 30 is rich, I'm not talking Tony Khan, but every AEW fan assumes that Tony Khan's putting money into it. It's his dad's money. And it irritates me that Tony Khan gets all this praise for being some wrestling genius when he's not doing anything for the company. It's his dad who funds it. All Tony Khan does is is, is sign the wrestlers and write the story. I think that's a pretty big part of the of the brand. Without, but, without but everyone Tony- sits here and says, "Oh, Tony Khan's putting money into." No, he's not. His dad's putting money into it. Tony Khan just gets access to the checkbook. Well, what? Well, in this conversation here, this is just just going in circular motions here. Let, let's go to the ending. I wanted to go real quick here. Um, I didn't take a very deep look at the the card of Backlash tonight. Ain't nothing or, to look at. Uh, this Ain't tomorrow. Nothing to look at. <laughs> um, so I pulled up the Wikipedia page. We're gonna go down the line here on um what this card is. I don't know the exact order of how it's going to play out. So we'll just go in the order. That Wikipedia has it. I want you to tell me real real simply here who you think is going to win each match. We'll start with the first match. Matt Riddle, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn versus the bloodline of Solo Sokoa and the Usos. If they were smart, they would continue to tell a good story and they would have Owens, Zayn, and Riddle win the match. Um, that way... You know, Roman gets irritated that the bloodline lost again, and that continues the turn on the uh, on the bloodline. Um, so that's where I'm assuming that's where they're going with that. Gotcha. Yeah, I haven't been paying much attention since I've been so irritated since WrestleMania. I haven't really been paying much attention to the storyline, so I'm I'm not I'm going to stay out. Happened. Ain't nothing happened. This is just I'll just go ahead and say it. this is the biggest fan service WWE can ever, and we're going to get more of this by the way. If you're a WWE fan. Because of the success of these international shows, WWE is going to start booking shows in places like India and Mexico and, and Canada and just giving you matches that are, that are fan service and there's not going to be any story behind. That's all this Puerto Rico event is. It's just fan service. Ain't nothing happened in the last... How long is WrestleMania? Like a month ago? Ain't nothing happened in a month. Fair enough. And that's another story and why I think... Uh, AW and WWE is different, but that's for another podcast on another episode. Let's go to match number two. Um, it says Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar. What's, what's going to happen there? I think you mentioned it earlier. Well, so 
I could see either one of them winning. The way I would play this out is have Cody Rhodes beat Brock Lesnar um, and then have Cody enter the tournament on Monday. And in the finals, I'm assuming would be the main event of Raw when it's Seth versus Cody, have have Brock interrupt and beat up Cody and have Seth move on. I could also see it going the other way where Brock just beats Cody so bad that Cody can't enter the tournament. And that's how they continue to build the sob story for Cody. I'm going with Cody Rhodes winning the match though. Yeah. It seems like everybody kind of thinks that Cody's getting the John Cena treatment here. Um, Cena's first match on his comeback tour. And it was it 20 or two, 20, 2012 was against Brock Lesnar. Same as Cody Rhodes here. Uh, I wasn't watching wrestling at that time, so I couldn't tell you if the similarities are are there. Um, let's go to the next match. We got a women's title match, SmackDown Women's Championship, between Rhea Ripley and Zelina Vega, uh, with Rhea Ripley starting Monday on Monday Night Raw. So it doesn't make sense that she's SmackDown Women's Champion. What happens here? Well, it makes sense. No way, because if Zelina wins, she's on SmackDown as well. Um, no, she's not. She's on Raw, isn't she? I, I don't know what brand. I don't actually pay attention to the draft. I think the whole thing's stupid. I think she's on SmackDown. Either way, Rhea Ripley's winning this, and if this match takes longer than five minutes, it's a shame because no one asked for this match. I don't even think the fans of Puerto Rico want this match. This is what I'm talking about, fan service. You get a superstar like Selena Vega who hasn't wrestled all but like two matches in her career in WWE, but because she's Puerto Rican, we bring back the LWO to appease the fans, and they've done nothing. Um, so I, I just I'm not a big fan of this. And if if this match goes on, this needs to be a squash match where Rhea looks strong um, to continue her dominance on the roster. Fair enough. There, yeah, I think Rhea has to hold on to that belt. Um, if Selena wins, I'd honestly be pretty shocked. Uh, that'd be a pretty big swerve if they gave it to Zelina, though I don't think they will. N- the match number four, one of the most... I don't understand where this match came from. Don't know if they're going to build anything off of it. Seth freaking Rollins versus Omos with MVP. So the match did come out of nowhere, um, but Seth Rollins in the first promo after it was announced made everyone want the match to happen because that's just the magic of Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins is winning this match. If there's if Omos somehow figures out how to win, uh, look, Omos needs to be given a pink slip. That's where he needs to. He doesn't need to be a free agent. He needs a pink slip. We don't need them. They haven't used them right. We have another better version of Omos in NXT who just debuted, um, who's, you know, not stiff as a cardboard box and uh, can actually give a promo. So um, I just, I don't understand what they're trying to accomplish with with Omos, uh, so yeah, we're, we're Seth Rollins has to win this match. Yeah, if it goes any other way, uh, uh, Omos comes in. Didn't he get squashed by Braun yes. Strowman? Or I think it was. At, and Brock Lesnar. And Brock Lesnar. At, uh, and so, yeah, if he beats Seth Rollins, I, uh, I don't know. Anyway, we got a, a triple threat match for the Uni- WWE United States Championship. Bobby Lashley, the biggest of all, Bob's fights the champion Austin Theory as well as the guy that I kind of want to win I love I like Bronson Reed um, from his time in New Japan um who wins this it, it got to be theory right 
Actually, I, I don't think so. So it's not going to be Bronson. He's going to be the one to take the pin. I'm a thousand percent certain he's not winning simply because he's on Raw and the other two are on SmackDown where the title is being held currently. Bronson Reed is only in this match, I believe, to take the pin. Um, but I think Bobby Lashley wins this for one reason alone. That is, Roman Reigns won't be there on TV. So what they're going to continue to try to do, convince us that the United States champion is a main event worthy. And Austin Theory cannot do that. He just cannot. Bobby Lashley, however, can. And I think they're going to put the title on him until Roman Reigns comes back and then in, in Bob doesn't have to carry the entire SmackDown roster. Um, so I think Bobby Lashley wins this match. Fair enough, fair enough. Now we got a WWE Raw Women's Championship match where Bianca Belair is going to SmackDown, same as EO Sky. They're both going to SmackDown and fighting for the Raw Women's Champion. You got to think at some point they're just going to do what they always do and just trade belts. <laughs> Who wins between Bianca Belair and EO Sky? I hate the bust your bubble, but that's not going to happen. First off, Bianca has to win this. There is no way in hell EO Sky wins this match. But they're unifying these belts at SummerSlam. I hate to, I hate to break it to you. They're unifying these belts. This is going to be – it's either going to be at SummerSlam or at Night of Champions. It's going to be Rhea Ripley versus Bianca Belair, winner take all. And I, I believe they are going to create a similar designed women's champion to the new World Heavyweight title. And I believe what happens is Raw gets both of the new belts and SmackDown will keep the old designed belts. Fair enough there. Yeah, I think Same thing I, with the tag team belts, by the way. Yeah, I guess so. Um, then the final match, uh, as per Wikipedia, I don't know if anything's been made official tonight on SmackDown for tomorrow, but Bad Bunny yes, this is, is this fighting is. Damian Priest in what they're considering a San Juan street fight. I'm assuming it's just going to be a lot of weapons around the ringside. You would be correct. Um this is t traditional WWE. We're just going to go to whatever city we are and call it a street fight and put their city name in front of it. And street fight means absolutely nothing because they never fight in the street. However, on NXT, just never go to the parking lot. It means you have a torn ACL. Uh, rest up, Sol Ruka. We miss you. Uh, anyway, um, Bad Bunny's winning. This is, this is your traditional fan affair. Let the fans go happy. Go home happy. Bad Bunny wins. You don't you don't bring in someone with the fanfare internationally as Bad Bunny to have him lose. Yeah, I'm actually on the same page with you there. I think Bad Bunny will get the W. I'm kind of shocked that well, there's seven matches on the card, but honestly, this might be one of the boring, most boring pay per views of of the year. Welcome um, to Backlash. It's this every <laughs> it's every year. It's the same thing. I don't. The only thing I'll give Tony Khan credit for is his pay per view schedule. We don't need 18,000 pay-per-views. WWE just needs five. The big four in Saudi. That's all we need. There's no time. Literally, this finishes, and in three weeks, we're at Saudi. There's no time to build any story. I will give Tony Khan credit there. He does a decent enough job promoting. Though, for me, I feel like he takes too long to develop stories, and they sort of just rush at the very end before the pay-per-view. So, I will give him credit. You only need four pay-per-views. Uh, uh, uh. You, you, WrestleMania, Royal Rumble, SummerSlam, uh, Survivor Series, and a Saudi Arabia show. That's all you need. Call it a day. 
And so we'll end this, which actually I agree with you, and that's kind of where I was leading. I think Tony Khan, I agree with you there. He, leading up to a pay-per-view, the last month of a pay-per-view, I think Tony Khan shows his brilliance as a booker. The last month of storyline for Dynamite, the past month, and I think going into the next couple of weeks before the 27th or 28th, whenever the, the Sunday of Memorial Day when we when we battle NXT um, on the same day um, at Double or Nothing, he's done a really good job telling the story. Since Revolution to now, it's taken forever to get the stories to make sense. But I think that's the difficulty of having just three total hours of TV and 80 million people on your roster. Um, I've, if there's one thing I can agree is that Tony Khan hired way too many people way too quick without developing a roster on his own, which is why I think the third the third show that we're going to get, if the rumors are correct, is actually going to be a good thing because we can actually split the rosters and use everybody accordingly. Um, Tony Khan, please stop bringing people between ROH and AEW. That's my only ask. I hate seeing ROH stuff on AEW and AEW stuff on ROH. Um, but we'll end it there. I appreciate you, sir, for coming out and spending an hour with me talking pro wrestling. At the end of the show here, I'm going to give you another minute to plug why people should listen to the Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast. I will be uh, uh, real quick with this. Uh, Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast, um, the name based off of Biggie's little comment to two big meaty men slapping meat. That's where I got the name from. Um, you should listen to it. It's aimed for casual fans. I'll be completely honest with it, but I, I go in there. I just talk real fun where you can find me. Uh, I'll, I'll end with that. Well, you can find the slap meat wrestling podcast on any place you listen to podcast, except for YouTube. I'm sorry. Any it's only audio only. So um, Spotify, uh amazon i think it's even on pandora um you can find me on tiktok and twitter at the name uh under my face we too deep 413 and uh if you want to you know join a discord and i want to promote the, the casual wrestling community and we are a true community the casual community page on youtube is run by a great podcaster named the notorious excuse me notorious nerdy d in the links of his videos, he has the link to his Discord. You can join there. We talk wrestling. We talk food, sports. There's a whole lot of different categories. That's where you can find me. Anyway, thank you, sir. Um, I appreciate you coming out and spending some time. I want to sp spend a quick minute here to talk about a show that you host and on the Junkyard Media page every Thursday night here on the same, like I said, the same page. It's the Colin Audible's podcast. If you like kind of how this show set up, but add a couple more guys and a lot more nonsense and a, a lot of um, cussing, uh, that's the Colin Audible's podcast. We talk pro football, college football. The season's kicking up. The draft just ended, so I don't know where the hell we're going with this podcast coming now. We spent the last month and a half on draft stuff, so uh, it should be interesting. Tune in every Thursday, Thursday night. 9 p.m. Eastern here on the Junkyard Media Group YouTube channel. I want to say pro wrestling, in my opinion, needs the casuals and it needs the hardcore. And it's great to hear from both sides. And I'll end it there. This has been another episode of the Junkyard.